Hello, welcome to episode six of Art Lives, a series of interviews with artists of all media. My name is Elizabeth De La Mater. On this podcast, I talk with artists one-on-one about their art, their lives, and how they navigate the world. This episode features David Lloyd Bradley, a ceramic artist and educator living in Phoenix, Arizona. In this episode, David tells us about his daily life as an art professor, his ongoing community art projects with veterans and suicide survivors, and how a 2017 Fulbright trip to Bosnia changed his life and art. Our conversation took place on the internet, so the sound quality is not optimal, but the stories and wisdom that David shares are so wonderful, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Here is David Bradley. Past few years, I've tried to incorporate assignments in my ceramics classes that uh, that introduce students to thinking about how they can uh, apply their understanding of the world to the things that they make in class, mm-hmm. and give them an opportunity to express themselves uh, on on larger topics. Um, than just focusing on the ceramics. The ceramics is a medium for expression. And so um, last year, after spending two months in Bosnia, um, I had students uh, spending one month in Bosnia just interviewing artists there who make work on social justice themes. Right. And uh, and so then came back and, and had all of my students um, create something that was an expression of their own opinion on some social justice issue. And uh, so that was very, very interesting and, and very enlightening. Nice. And then this semester I'm having them as a final project. Um, I'm, they're, they're paired off in class and interviewing each other. Um, and then to about the, what's unique about that person or, or the accomplishments that that person's had or pivotal moments in that person's life, and then take that information and create a ceramic piece that tells their story. Beautiful. And they'll do that for each other and then we'll present that on the final day uh, of the class. Cool. That is so neat. Every, yeah. It seems, seems like everything is meaningful because uh, your students are doing the the bowls, right? Um, right, empty bowls project. Empty bowls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been involved in that since '91, and and uh, every year I have my ceramic, my advanced ceramic students um, make start off the semester making 12 bowls each um, for this for donating to this sale, uh-huh. and and so it you know gets them. It's like a warm up exercise. Okay, uh, and and it's also though you know a way that that they can feel like they're contributing to this community uh, charity event, right? Right, and uh, in in a in a significant way, you know, mm-hmm. if their bowls sell for ten dollars a piece. That's that's a pretty nice chunk of money that you know that they have uh, facilitated. Right. So and it's and so everybody everybody wins in that one. 
Well, now I've known you for about 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, and I've known you as a person who is involved in his community and has a holistic uh, view and attitude of art. But uh, were you always this way? Uh, for a long time, yeah. Um, uh, and I think that the, the the pivot point came when I when I met a ceramic artist uh, by the name of Don Wrights. Okay. who was one of the most famous uh, ceramic artists in the world before he passed away uh, a few years ago. And I took a workshop uh, with him in uh, Arkansas in 1985. And, um, and it was totally transformational. Uh, I knew him, you know, through images of his work and reading about him that he was um, – he was very innovative in his approach, but I had never heard him speak before. And at this workshop, he spoke about how ceramics was a way for him to understand the things that were important to him and um, as a means for working out this understanding. Right. And uh, and that was just, uh, you know, a uh, an amazing revelation to me because up to that point I thought of it as a means to an end. Okay. Right. And, uh, and, and so here I saw the possibilities of, of clay and ceramics as a, um, as a transformational, um, uh, process, uh, or, or, um, you know, as something akin to, um, a biofeedback, mm-hmm. uh, material, you know, mm-hmm. because it's very responsive. Clay is, Mm-hmm. And you know if you're if you're very aggressive with the clay, it will rip and tear. And if you're calm and 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 uh, considerate in your um, movements with the clay, then it will stretch and and um, and retain a, you know a fluid quality. Yeah. And so it can it can show you how you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so this all came from from Don Wrights, and uh, and so ever since then I have I have uh, tried to incorporate that that way of of being and communicate that in my teaching. Did you were you doing that in other ways before, and then uh, after this epiphany, you just simply linked it to your ceramics, or were you a I can't imagine you were a cold-hearted jerk before that. <laughs> so was was this something you were looking for? Well, I was for? just not, a, you know, I was not awake. I wasn't. Oh, okay. you know, as people talk about being woke. Yeah. Right. I, I was. I was just kind of, you know, going along with my head down, or you know, yeah. turned inward and and not really uh, understanding um, how things could be. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, I was raised in a good family and. And in a church, and and um, you know, so I had a good foundation of ethics, and and um, uh, you know, being part of a community, and and all that. But but you know, I was still very immature, sure. And my understanding of things until until that moment where where I, I saw I saw the possibilities, and um, huh. and you know, just you know, we're, it's it's a journey of development and, and growth and, 
uh, clay has, has been my uh, tool for that. Um, right. Wow. So you, I was wondering if you could talk about um, just kind of how your your day-to-day life works, because part of my um, mission with this podcast is to show people, but especially younger students, what an artist's life can be like, even hours as ter- in terms of day-to-day activities. So you're you're based at a at a college, right? You go other places. Yeah, so I'm full-time faculty at Paradise Valley Community College, and uh-huh. I've been here for 18 years now. Nice. And uh, I teach I teach four classes, four ceramics classes a semester that that each meets five hours a week. Oh wow! And then I am. Uh, so as part of part of my daily tasks are to unload and uh, load kilns for firing student work. That's that's pretty much an everyday thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and making sure that you know that equipment and glazes and underglazes and so forth are kept mixed and available, and uh, and all that kind of kind of um, upkeep kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I'm on uh, several committees on campus that meet uh, once once a month, usually on Fridays. And um, and then I I have um, I'm involved in Arizona Artists Guild. Right. Um, since uh, 2011. And uh, it's an organization that was founded in 1928. Oh, my gosh. Devoted to visual arts in all forms it's mm-hmm. it's it's unique for that uh, most organizations are focused on one medium okay um, ceramics group or portrait painters or watercolor or something like that mm-hmm. but the art guild is is open to anybody working in any medium and i i, I was drawn to it because of the fact that here was a group of people who, um, like me, are passionate about being creative, about making yeah. things, and about you know exploring the world through some kind of a material or process, mm-hmm. and um, and I and I found it very rewarding, and I've become heavily invested in the group, and I've served as president for three years, and I've been vice president of art in this current term. I, position that I hold now, which means that I oversee um, the workshops that are held and uh, exhibitions and, uh, and, and those kind of things that the, that the group has. And um, so uh, my, my artwork, um, I get to do during the summer when I'm not teaching. Right. Uh, and I, um, this past summer, I had uh, an exhibit of work that was inspired by the two months I spent in Bosnia in 2017. Uh-huh. And this was um, based upon the architecture that I saw specifically in Bosnia and um, where you see examples of uh, 15th century Ottoman uh, architecture next door to 18th century Austrian Habsburg architecture next door to, you know, mid 20th century Soviet style architecture. And it really 
points up, you know, the differences in perspectives from one culture to another, from yeah. one part of the world to another, you know, when you see them like that, right, right next to each other. And, and so I, I created these sculptures with the forms of the buildings and the doorways and windows and bridges as metaphors for um, transformation. So a bridge being a symbol for connection, connecting one one people together, connecting places, but co- also connecting ways of being. Right. And uh, a doorway is provides access to another place, but also an, another possible way of being. And a window gives you limited access. It gives you, um, you know, a view, but but it's a it's a it's a distant access to mm-hmm. another. And uh, and so um, uh, I'm very very happy with how this work turned out, and um, and I'm hoping to continue in that the um, next time I get a get a chance over mm-hmm. the holiday, perhaps. Um, but uh, it's it's difficult to get much done because of the need to spend. A lot of time working on pieces, you know, the the pottery yeah. that I'm making, I could whip out pots and and uh, in no time, but uh, but the sculptures that I do take a lot more time. Sure. And uh, while I'm teaching, I'm focused on that, and uh, and the studio has to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing about having a full-time teaching job is that, you know, the studio time gets pushed down the list of, sure. of priorities. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, in the past, when I was um, younger, yeah. right, well, in grad school, you're supposed to be all in. You're supposed to spend <laughs> all of your time in your studio working, and everything else comes comes next, right, comes after. And, and you know, unfortunately, family uh, was the thing that suffered the most. And, right. Um, and so, you know, I try to keep, keep that um, – a little more in balance, and uh, uh, I have I have a son uh, who's married in California with two children, and so being a grandfather uh, is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, try to get over to see them uh, three times a year usually, and um, enjoy being with them, and that's a, that's a real blessing. Yeah, I've talked to some musicians about. Um the luxury of being able to have a family or how for some of it's some of us, it's a luxury to be able to spend, to get to the place where we can spend time with our kids. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah if, if, you know, you're going to make it as an artist, you've got to, you've got to really devote yourself to it. And, and um, sometimes you have to make that kind of choice that am I going to, work that hard at being a successful professional artist and let, you know, family be on the back burner a little bit, um, you know, and, and it's a tough decision to make. Right. Why did you go to Bosnia? Um, it, there, there came an opportunity in fall of 16 for um, a pro- for uh, it was a Fulbright Hayes faculty development program that was created by a faculty at University of Arizona 
um, to, to take um, 14 faculty, uh, seven community college faculty and seven Arizona high school faculty oh. uh, on, a, on a trip to Bosnia, on a month-long trip to Bosnia to learn about European Muslim culture and art for incorporating into our classes. Wow. And I applied and was was accepted to be part of this group. And uh, uh, just an amazing experience. I didn't know much about Bosnia. I, you know, I knew there was a war there in the 90s. And I had uh, a couple of friends who were from Bosnia, you know, uh, immigrated here uh, because of the war. But I didn't know anything else beyond it. And, uh, and so here here was a chance to learn a lot and and we learned about the history and the uh, you know this area that's been fought over for thousands of years and still retains traces of those those conflicts uh, you know mostly of the victors yeah and um, and I met a number of artists there and um, uh, and that's what led me to go back there in the in October a few months later, for a sabbatical project. Right. So I'd been approved for a sabbatical project before I went the first to Bosnia the first time. Um, the sabbatical project was to go to Cuba. Oh. I had been, been to Cuba with students and, and met some artists who make art that was critical of the Cuban government. Right. And I was surprised by this I thought well that's gonna get you thrown in jail and uh, and so I um, my sabbatical project was to go back to Cuba uh, in October of 17 to interview Cuban artists about their work mm-hmm. and while I was in Bosnia in June of 17 President Trump closed the door on right. individuals being able to travel to Cuba uh, on their own, right? And which is what I what I needed to do. Uh, you can you can still go as part of an educational or a tour group, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be part of a group, and so I was able to restage the project to Bosnia instead mm-hmm. of Cuba. So in October of seventeen, I went to Cuba for the month. And, I mean uh, Bosnia, and um, traveled around. Went a few days in Serbia, a few days in Croatia and Montenegro, but the bulk of it in Bosnia, and interviewed a total of 39 artists. Incredible. And had them talking about their artwork and the meanings in their work and how they became artists and suggestions for students who want to be artists. And and um, and so I, I, and I have it all on video. And yeah. I have I've been editing the videos to show to my students so that they can hear and, um, you know, in these artists speaking about their work and and all of them, you know, lived through the war. Wow. So it affected them in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and, it, you know, being there affected me and made me even more um, uh, emphatic about including. Uh, some aspect of social justice in yeah. the artwork that I do and that, you know, my students learn how to do. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that it's important that we express ourselves, that we that we don't just keep quiet, that we don't just accept things as they are, yep. that, we, you know, we have a voice and we should use it. 
Yeah. Uh, so it, it's been very, very inspiring, very transformational for me. Amazing. Are you making a movie of those interviews? Or well, that was the original plan. Okay. Uh, but uh, and I was working on that with um, an artist there, um, Eddie Edo Vyselovich. Um, but he and I have kind of come to an impasse because we realized that the footage that we have is just of the interviews. And we need more background, more B-roll footage of the artists working in their studios and, right. you know, where they live and that kind of thing. They make it interesting than just interview, interview, interview. Uh, so it's going to take more time mm-hmm. and uh, and may take, you know, may take another form. There's uh, There's – a lot to work with there and yeah uh, i'd like to you know bring some of the artists to arizona mm-hmm. to uh give workshops and and uh work with students directly yeah uh, I've, been, I've done that in the past uh, a couple of years ago i got a grant and brought an artist from china who uh, worked with mm-hmm. porcelain and he did a uh, two-week workshop cool. with my student. that was that was really great and so that's that's probably the kind of thing that's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, I think always artists are the best people to help interpret, you know, and explain oh, yeah. an experience. Yeah, definitely. I I feel that artists are the uh, invent the future for the rest of ah. our culture. You know that we we are the ones who imagine and make real what, what will happen or what can happen. And, mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, we're, we're processing what's going on. Yeah. So there's good and bad. So there, Bosnia has recovered from the war, uh, a tremendous amount. You can see damage on buildings, uh, around, but the city, you know, I mean, the country is, is functioning. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's it's a little bit dysfunctional because of the government situation that was put into play after the, the war with by the Dayton Peace Accord. Right. It put into play three presidents ruling over Bosnia: Bosnia, a Croatian, and a Serbian, and right. they take turns uh, presiding, and so nothing gets done. And the infrastructure, uh, you know, needs is 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 suffering and. Um, um, they they are still well. It's the government that is that is kind of still promoting the uh, the animosity between the three groups. Yeah. And uh, you see schools over, around Bosnia. You know, some areas are predominantly Croatian and some are predominantly Serbian. And uh, and so you'll see a school in a Croatian area where the school has been segregated and the Muslim students who attend are taught a different curriculum than the Croatian students. And the playground will have a fence in the middle of it so they can't uh. intermingle during school day. And the Serbian dominant areas are the same kind of thing. And, uh, and then at the end of the school day, the kids are all walking down the street together and going, Hey, you know, how are you? Let's go play ball now that the right. school day is over. Right. And it's, uh, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But in spite of that, in spite of that, the people, you know, are very gracious and um, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. So green and clean and um, and, you know, you have the feeling of 
of the history coming through everywhere and the feeling of being part of nature, you know, when you're in the countryside. Yeah. Um, last, uh, the end of July, my wife and I went. That's and right. And I wanted her to see it. Mm-hmm. And um, and while we were there, uh, we we found this Bosnian folk potter who lives in a little village not far from Sarajevo. And he's a third generation potter in his family making these traditional Bosnian cooking pots. And um, and it was just so idyllic and beautiful, <laughs> the setting and, you know, and he's, they're growing their own food and has bees and fruit trees and, and digs his own clay and uses this wheel. He spins with his hand and makes these beautiful pots. And and uh, it was it was so beautiful. And I I, I want to go back there again. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, just just soak it up uh, wow. more. Because it's what it does for me is that it, it 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 gives me a different perspective on my world, on my culture. You know, every yeah. time I travel to another place and I come back and I see my world through the lens of that culture mm-hmm. and uh, and it, you know, gives me new insight to it. And and it's um, and that's why, you know, I'm showing these videos of the artists from there talking about their work and what it means so that my students can understand through their eyes, you know, and hear, hear their words and, and apply it to themselves. You know, that's, that's very, the real learning can happen. Yeah. And, uh, and transformation. Did you always know that you wanted to teach as well as create? No, I remember actually telling my mother when I was, contemplating going to graduate school and she said well yeah it'll be a good thing to go to graduate school so that you could you have the credential oh no no you know those who can't do and those who can't teach (laughs) i I came to eat those words later on but i i went to grad school to to learn about you know technical information of and that i need to be a working professional potter yeah um but I ended up with this credential that allowed me to teach in college level and um, and which came in handy when I needed a regular paycheck. And uh, but <laughs> yep. I found when I started teaching as an adjunct faculty that, hey, this is pretty great. I get to share with students my passion for doing this and yeah. to help them find their passion. Yeah. And it was just immediately rewarding. And um and I've, I've, I've come to the understanding that, that teaching, you know, a person, you know, trying to do good in the world, that teaching is the best way that I can, you know, make a positive impact on the world, you know, much more so than any sculpture or thing that I could make with my hands, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's teaching that is the, the, the best thing that I can do. Yeah. Feel the same. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Nice. How uh, how old were you when you decided that you had to work with clay with your hands? Um, well, I was uh, 11 when I decided I was going to be an artist. Oh, okay. Uh, I grew up in a family of makers. My my dad uh, worked in a grocery store, but his most 
his greatest enjoyment was working in his garage workshop, repairing TVs and radios. And my mother ran a daycare center at the church, but her greatest enjoyment was in was in crafts of some of any kind of sewing, knitting, crocheting, uh, cooking, gardening. Um, and so I've, I, I learned from their example from a very young age of the way to be the happiest would be uh, to be making things. Yeah. And, uh, and so when I was 11, I read the biography of Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. Oh. And I said, oh, well, that's going to be the greatest job to have as to be an artist because you get to sculpt a figure or you can paint a painting or you can design something and people will pay you for it. And so that was my entry into art. So I convinced my mother I needed some art supplies and got me some drawing pads and pencils and and books on how to draw horses and how to draw people. And then when I was 15, I took started taking painting classes from a local artist in Shreveport, Louisiana, and um, majored in painting in college. Oh, okay. And uh, it was while I was in college and I took a pottery class uh-huh. that I saw the potter's wheel for the first time. And once I got got to that, it was like um, it was like electricity happening because it was the most interesting thing I'd ever done, you know, the clay moving around under my hands and it was so responsive and, and I saw what other people were able to do. And, uh, and so that's, that's all I wanted to do then. Forget painting. Wow. I saw so many potential possibilities working in clay than with painting. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so, but at the, the school I went to Louisiana tech university at the time did not offer a degree in ceramics. So oh. I ended up with Bachelor of Fine Arts in painting, but only wanted to be a potter. <laughs> so um, after I graduated, I got a job at the Marshall Pottery Company in Marshall, Texas, right across the Louisiana state line uh, in, uh, from Shreveport. And this was a very unique um, place and situation. So Marshall Pottery, this was in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time was a major producer of terracotta flower pots, just pot ubiquitous terracotta pots stamped out by a machine. Yeah. But it started off in 1890 making stoneware crockery. So butter oh. churns, cuspidors and milk pitchers and so forth and many other things. And in the, and they continued this, this tradition, even though the bulk of their production became this, these terracotta flower pots, by machine, they kept the hand-turned production going in one corner of a huge factory. And I, and I got a job there and, and started working there as a helper, learning how to throw at this high level of, of um, production. Yeah. And so there, there, were, there were 10 potters working there full-time, and uh, each one would use 2,000 pounds of clay a day or more wow. in an eight-hour day. Wow. And that was just that was just a normal production. You'd make hundreds of pieces a day, and they would all be exactly the same. And um, it took me nine months of practice before I could, was good enough to make the simplest thing that they had to make, which were dog dishes. Amazing. And I made dog dishes every day for a month, you know. And and then then I moved up and made the next largest thing, and and so on and so on. You know, it was that kind of focused discipline that right. was required and uh, that I wouldn't have gotten on my own. Right. In addition to that, 
I was learning from the foreman who had been working there since 1945, and he was a third-generation potter in his family. And so he would tell me stories of, of potters, you know, going back to the turn of the century that he was related to or he knew of personally. And, uh, and so it was like, you know, I was getting this firsthand historical information about pottery making when it was – something that was a necessity in life and everyday yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, and so then after working there for two years and acquiring this skill to where I could throw hundreds of pieces a day and 2000 pounds of clay a day, then I went back to school to get my master of fine arts in ceramics. And it was in grad school then that I was faced with this dilemma of, okay, so I know how to make, anything I want, but what am I going to make? What am I going to do with it besides make more pots? Right. And, uh, and so started making things there that were, uh, you know, based on ideas that I had and um, about things that were important and, um, uh, and just gone on from there. It's been 40, 44 years <laughs> since my first pottery class as an undergraduate and uh and i still enjoy it and i'm still learning learning new things uh about the material about the process uh you know new ideas of ways of of expressing myself or things to make work about and uh it's it's very fun Isn't that cool that's so neat and you still you're teaching and you're doing um big projects, interview projects, and social justice work, but you're also putting things in the kiln and picking up clay still. You're oh, doing yeah. the, yeah, your hands on it. Hands on, that's right. That's the best, that's the best time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, I think there are some artists who find that, that whatever their original medium, they they can let go of it, but some of us can't ever truly stop stop the touching <laughs> that's right yeah so i saw that um you have had uh so many things going on this fall um do you have things planned for the spring already in january well in in every semester i, I invite a pair of artists from a pottery village in mexico a place called mata ortiz uh -huh. to come to campus to give a pottery demonstration of their techniques. And, um, and that's, that's always wonderful. They've been doing that for um, 18 years. And uh, it's wonderful for my students to see the artists who are so skillful with the right. materials. Yeah. Uh, but it's skill that's in their hands. It's not according to the tools or the special clay that they have. It's because of what they're able to do um, just with the simplest tools and mainly just with their hands. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they make these so gorgeous, sophisticated-looking pieces, very highly polished surfaces and very uh, complicated painted designs and um, – you know, with clay that they dug out of the ground and that they fire in a in a pit, you know, not even in a kiln. And uh, it's it's really amazing. 
Um, we're going to have a, so we, we offer glass blowing at uh, PVCC now. This is the right. third year. And uh, so uh, we're going to have a, an exhibit of, of glass made by the students and faculty uh, on campus in February. I'm coordinating that and um, uh, writing a grant for bringing an artist to school ne for next year for fall to do a ceramic tile mural on campus. Oh. And um, and then I'm planning on going back to Bosnia next summer to spend a week with that Bosnian folk potter and, and document his whole process and, and situation. Yeah. So those are the big things I've got planned right now. That sounds, that all sounds amazing. I recently spoke to an art gallery director and at uh, PV, you often are, you're the director of that gallery, right? Every time you have an exhibit. I am now, I am now yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So does that mean that you're the director now, no matter what is in the gallery? So I chose artists uh, in doing the scheduling and helped them with their installation and, um, and marketing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's just another little another little job duty tagged on there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's 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 all good. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty busy and uh uh but it's all good. Uh, another thing that I that I'm doing that I really enjoy is um through the art guild um become involved in um the community outreach program offer. So in 2013, when I was president of the Art Guild, we were approached by the head of the Arizona to a free monthly arts program for veterans. Oh. And, uh, and so with, with some funding from the Arts Alliance, uh, each month we offer a, a four-hour art class at the Art Guild for um, between 15 and 20 veterans and uh, so that's been going on for five years now uh, so every month uh, we you know we have an artist who gives a presentation i've given a bunch of them uh myself but we have you know other artists who are involved in the guild as presenters and as volunteer helpers and that's been a very gratifying uh, experience to you know to to give back to these veterans you know, right. who made a personal sacrifice um, of themselves um, for the, you know, for the country yeah. and uh, to give back to them something that, that we have and that, uh, and that they are so grateful to receive. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's been a very gratifying experience these veterans, uh, many of them who have been coming for five years, we, you know, you get to know them, become friends with them. And um, last year, we I got a grant to offer a ceramics program for veterans at PVCC, and we've that grant was for one year, and now we've continued it uh, with funding from the city of Phoenix and offering that program again this year. So we're in the middle of that, and that meets two two Saturdays a month. Um, <laughs> so that is wonderful too. I, I, that's okay. I've seen, um, I did not know that was 
two Saturdays a month. That's pretty cool. I have seen you do a couple uh, promos for that. Does that mean that the veterans are coming in and making art with you? They're sitting yes. down. And, yes. That's great. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, so right now they're finishing up uh, sculptures of uh, of a family pet. And uh, oh. some of them are life size or even larger than life size sculptures of their dog or cat, and um, and they're really wonderful. And uh, and next month we're going to start a three month session of uh, on the Potter's wheel, teaching them how to how to throw, and uh, and then the last three month session ending in May will be um, exploring the Raku firing process right yeah are you surprised now that you do so many things with groups of people when um when you started on your journey of being an artist did you think you were going to be working alone or did you not think that about those things i don't think i ever saw myself doing what I'm doing now when I was young, my yeah. vision when I decided I wanted to be a potter was of myself working, uh, making things and just having that pleasure of making things in my own studio and selling them. And, and that yeah. was as far as my vision went, you know, but yeah. so, so teaching helped me see things in a broader perspective mm -hmm. and possibilities, uh, um, before I became full-time faculty, I was um, teaching part-time. This was in the 90s. I was mm -hmm. in Arizona then. And I was uh, teaching four nights a week at Mesa Community College. I was living oh, on the west side of Phoenix. Right. And driving 25 miles one way, four nights a week. But in addition, I was on the artist roster of the Arizona Commission on the Arts. And so that meant that I would be in a school for uh, six to eight weeks doing a ceramic project with kids that was usually a mural, a ceramic tile mural. And, um, and, and for several years in a row, I would just, I would be at one school and finish the mural. And then the next week I would start it all over again at a different school. Wow. And in addition, in addition to that, I was doing contract throwing for, for, several pottery studios around the state and in addition i was making my own work to sell and uh, and i was giving workshops and you know and demonstrations and presentations and i and i saw at some point that i was being i was telling stories and you know i would i would have my wheel and i would throw and whether it was for school kids or for in a college class or wherever while I was throwing, I would be telling stories about my experience of working at Marshall Pottery or, or, or whatever, and uh, and I and I realized that I was performing, and, oh. and so I thought, well, I should work on my performance skills in order to be able to be more creative with other parts of my body, other parts of my being, and so I took acting classes and I took uh, I've taken voice classes and I've taken a lot of dance classes and uh, so that I could I could enhance how I use my body and so I've kind of built up my 
my abilities and my thinking of myself from that mm-hmm. point of being in front of a class and communicating and expressing myself uh, to being able to to do it with no problem. I can stand up in front of a group and talk now, and right. uh, I don't have any trouble doing that. I don't have I don't have much trouble. It depends upon the audience and what <laughs> I'm talking. If I've got clay in my hands, I it's no problem at all. Right. Five thousand people, and I could do that. Uh, you know, so it's yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it's happened. So, is it uh, these grander projects right now that are keeping you inspired, or are, sometimes is it? Are they tiny things? What what do you find inspirational these days? Uh, well, I just finished a project that was very inspirational. Um, I was invited to participate in a project with this cancer support community in Phoenix, uh, one of eight ceramic artists who were each paired with a cancer survivor to t- uh, tell that person's story. And so I was paired with a young boy named Tierney, who is now 12 years old. But when he was six, he had a brain tumor removed. And um, and he is uh, in remission and he's fantastic young man. And uh, and so we worked together for a couple of months this fall so that I could get to know him. And uh, and our first meeting uh, he he told me that he wanted to be a chef, and <laughs> okay. because he, he loves to cook, and uh, the tumor uh, affected his pituitary gland, and so uh-huh. he's hungry all the time. So he cooks <gasps> about food all the time, and oh, wow. uh, and so you know he's 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 very health conscious, and uh, because he knows if he wasn't, he would just you know explode because it doesn't matter how much he eats, he's always hungry. And uh, and so together we designed these these plates and platters and bowls that a chef might use, and uh, and I and I carved his his face on on uh, on the platters and plates and and uh, together we we made and 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 it was something I'd never done before. You know, I've 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 made things that told my own story. Yeah. But never someone else's story like this, and um, and so that was very inspiring. And, oh my gosh! Uh, really, really glad to have done that. That's beautiful. So yeah. I I uh, I uh, it inspired me to make an assignment for my students. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their final project this semester is to um, they're they're paired off. Uh, each student is paired off with another student in class. And they have to interview them about the things that are unique or uh, about that person or some accomplishment that they've made or some pivotal moment in their life. And then wow. express that in some ceramic piece that tells their story. Now I understand that better. You had mentioned that before, but you're not just talking about somebody's favorite color or their favorite movie. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something Marvelous. that gets that. Yes, that person's core and uh, mm-hmm. and what's you know really positive about them. Marvelous. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, before I go and cry about all the beauty you're creating, <laughs> uh, 
Um, would you mind sharing uh, three things that um, you would like to point me and anybody who hears this, um, three things you'd like to point us towards that you are interested in now? And it can certainly be your own projects or it can be anything else that's that you find wonderful right now. Hmm. Well, the um, Scottsdale Public Art is putting on an amazing thing right now called Canal Convergence. Oh, I saw There's that. Two weeks of, um, of art along the Scottsdale Canal between uh, Scottsdale Road and uh, Drinkwater. Uh, nice. No, Goldwater. And, okay. Uh, <clears throat> fantastic, fantastic work from artists from uh, across the country, and um, most of them involving light. So they they show up best at night. Yeah. And uh, this is this is uh, like the tenth year that they've held this um, this event, and it's just gotten better. And uh, it's it's really amazing. But, um, and I'm sure there's going to be about it. it just started uh, last night, and uh, and so it's it just it's just the beginning. So I'm sure you'll see a lot more a lot about it on on social media. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. At the um, well, I created a uh, a lib guide of information about um, Bosnia and the artists that I met there, and that's on the PVCC website. Oh, great! Um, it's on their library. Uh, uh, under uh, research, and, you, and it's called uh, Social Justice Art in the Balkans. Social Justice Art in the Balkans. Yeah. Okay, and so anybody could get to that by first going That's to right. PVC libraries? That's right. Okay. ParadiseValley.edu. All right. And, yeah. Wonderful. And then... Um, my own website is uh, davidbradleyart.com. That's right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. You have been listening to the Art Lives podcast. Thanks so much to David Bradley for talking with me. I posted links to David's website, his school, and the organizations that he mentioned, and also his Bosnia research guide on the Art Lives page of my website, elizabethdelamater.com. Please give us a rating and comments on Apple Podcasts. More ratings allow more people to hear us. My continued gratitude to Bill Salick, artist Eduardo Moreno for our logo, and special thanks to composer Nicholas Myers for our theme music. And thank you so much for listening to Art Lives. Art Lives.